Welcome to the Hawkeye Psychic Podcast. And you're very welcome back to the Hawkeye Psychic Hurling Podcast with your host, Mark Kennedy, joined this week by Kieran Collins. Kieran, how are things? Very good, Mark. Yourself? Yeah, great. All good now. Uh, another weekend, fast approaching. I know we have a bye week in Intercounty Hurling, but I suppose we'll have a review of last weekend, round three of the Alliance Hurling League. Probably main headlines probably were the games between Wexford Clare, Limerick Galway and Dublin Tipperary. I suppose we'll start first off in Chadwick's Park in Wexford. The scoreline was a bit of an eye-opener, but you were there at it. Clare comprehensively winning that match. I suppose what were your overall impressions of the game? The trend of the league this year has been, you know, waiting for Thursday, Friday night at 9 o'clock to see what teams are named and trying to guess what intent might be on, on, a, on a given Sunday. And I think when Clare named, you know, eight personal changes from the Limerick game, bringing back in John Conlon, Tony Kelly, Ryan Taylor, uh, Flanagan, you know, I think we knew straight away that Clare were intending to give this game a go. I think Rory had said last week as well, there's been a bit of history between these two counties in the last couple of years. So I suppose we expected Clare coming down to, to hurl and, and, uh, and give it a proper go. And, you know, from the start, I don't think anyone expected the, this response from Clare after the Limerick game. You know, after 20 minutes, 3-9 to 1-4. Was it Clare being absolutely good? They were good. But I think Wexford were absolutely atrocious as well. They were literally all over the place, uh, especially at the back. I think, you know, a lot of people talking and they're giving the players, the, you know, take, the players seem to be taking the blame in this one. Obviously, there's no experience. They're, they're fringe players, a lot of them. And, you know, for a lot of them, maybe the players are, are the problem. But I also think tactics were a huge issue as well, you know. I think the problem for Wexford is they have a it's a it's size issue and physicality compared to other teams like like the Galway, Limerick, and, and you could put Clare in that bracket as well. And I think they just lack that size. And, you know, when it comes to puck outs especially, there seems to be a fear of, you know, the keeper putting a long ball down on top of their on their half-forward line. Wexford in the first half, you know, uh, playing against the wind, went with a sharp puck out. Clare were happy to give him. The, Clare didn't contest him. Clare just sat back. Uh, so it kind of was a case of either corner, corner back at the ball, running out, to the the middle third area which is congested and four out of the six goals I would say came from turnovers from the short puckouts. You know, I think if you're looking on from the sideline the 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 anger as well as what do you call it in the crowd, like just pull it along, you know, because okay, you you know you'd forgive one goal, maybe maybe two, but you know, third time, fourth time it happened and I suppose for me, there was no change in the tactic. You know, they still progressed with the short puck out. I suppose it was poor, poor, poor execution at times, but I, I just didn't see the, the the end result. Like the end result was taking the short puck out, playing a long ball over the middle air, third area, which is fairly congested, which in turn is a 50-50 ball. So why not just puck the ball out long in the first place? You know, if you're going to play a ball that's going to be 50-50, you know, puck it long and hope for the best and at least the ball is, is not in front of your goal um, which is what happened clear like three four goals that they ran in at their ease I just think it was really really shocked tactically I think Dara Egan got it wrong okay I think the biggest thing he got wrong was not changing it you know uh, we looked at Clare the way I approached the puck out especially in the first half they were playing with the wind there's always a fairly sizable wind in Wexford Park and I think the one ball to note was they played one long ball down for uh, Aidan McCarthy's goal. Clare had like a, a, a box, four Clare players in the, you know, in the in the landing area. I think it was Peter Duggan broke the ball and, you know, Aidan McCarthy picked it up with his will and just slotted it home. But second half, similar situation. Wexford were playing a long ball in on top of uh, Colin McDonald, who is a, you know, is a, is a ball winner. But the closest player to him, Rory Higgins, might have been 10 yards away. So there was no one there for the breaking ball. So, you know, th- things like that, I just question the tactics. Wexford are proud hurling county and, you know, shipping 417 in, a, in 35 minutes of hurling, you know, it, it's it's not in their DNA, it's not in their makeup, you know. They're, they they pride their teams on being at least competitive. You know, they don't pride their teams or they don't judge their teams on, on success. It's more on how competitive they are. And, you know, I think that has a lot of fans seeding down here. It's just that they... They were, you know, they weren't at the races at all. They had no shape. 
I think the attitude was completely wrong. I I note the the last or the second last goal, where okay, a young player Owen Murphy got the ball from a sharp puck out. I don't even know how, but Peter Duggan took the ball off him in an instant, and instead of you'd imagine Owen Murphy, you know, turning, bursting the gut to get back, he didn't. You know, he he sauntered back. Uh, goal was scored, and I think that showed the attitude. And I suppose for young guys who are you know, majority team of fringe players that, you know, if you're going to put your hand up, you know, you're you're going to try your best. And I suppose that's one thing from a from a hurling point of view, for experts or from a, you know, uh, that's frustrating. Now, I suppose looking at the extra team, if you were to compare the team that lined out on Sunday against against Clare that would have lined out in the All Ireland quarter final last year, players missing would have been Mark Fanning, Liam Ryan. Matthew O'Hanlon, Paddy Foley, Connor Devitt, Lingo McGovern, Roy O'Connor, Ushin Foley, Lee Chin, D. O'Keefe. That's 10 players missing from a last year's All Ireland quarter final. So I think, you know, it's not all doom and gloom for this year, especially. It's when these players come back in, I don't, not all are. Uh, I know Paddy Foley is, is away, but I think all other nine players, you know, will see action. It'll be a different extra team, and I've, I've no doubt that coming championship, they will be competitive. But I think it's just kind of shown that, you know, the depth, that what might be in Wexford at the minute. And, you know, you're looking at certain players at their age, you know, Lee Chin, Matthew O'Hanlon, Dio Keefe, Limo McGovern, they're all the wrong side of 30. And I suppose for me, looking forward is, you know, when these guys do step away, which won't be long for most, some of these guys, you know, who's going to take over at the minute? You know, you're looking and going, right, who is the next Lee Chin? Who's the next Dio Keefe? And at the minute, it's very hard to see it. Yeah, Karen, because the guys you mentioned here is right down the spine of this team, really, isn't it? I mean, but I think Dar Egan had set the stall out fairly early in the league that he was going to blood these new guys in. He needed to test the squad depth. And I suppose this is kind of a reality check to Dar Egan and the players that, the fringe players, that it's certainly not good enough. I mean, from a Dar Egan perspective, I think he probably formed an assessment on one or two of the prospects on this game, which is probably for the worst. So from a Darry Egan perspective, he's not going to have too many conundrums here about guys really breaking into the team. He will be looking really at the, the marquee guys to kind of come back and uh, make an, an immediate impact. Yeah, and I think if you're looking back the last few years, you know, Wexford have been, haven't been too far away, you know, like 2019, you know, playing Tipperary in a large semi-final. I think they probably lacked a bit of depth uh, that year. And again, last year against Clare, Wexford were the better team that day. Rory O'Connor, uh, unfortunately, went off injured, maybe, you know, 10, 15 minutes into that game. It, it, I think the strength and depth, lack of strength and depth showed that day that, you know, <clears throat> okay, Roy O'Connor's an exceptional player, but to lose a player that stature that, you know, you're, you're kind of looking at the bench and going, there's no one here that's, you know, percentage as good or even close to being as good as, as Roy O'Connor. I think that's where Wexford are lacking, you know, especially with the new format, the round robin, you know, it's testing on teams. You, you need big panels. You need, you know, tested panels that are ready to go, you know, to war when called for. And I think that's, you know, as I said, Dar Egan would have a, a fairly good 15 a championship, but it's the, you know, the five or seven players that, you do need, as we all know, that this starters and finishers, you know, this Wexford won't have, in my eyes, the the quality that's needed for players to come on and, and finish out games. Because it's certainly going to need at least four or five guys off the bench, really, in the final quarter to secure wins here. And I mean, you mentioned about the Senior Hurling Championship, Brown Robin. I know there's games here against Westmead, which, let's be brutally honest, they only got a draw against Westmead last year. But there is away games to Galway. There's an away game to Dublin here. I know Chadwick's Wexford Park hosts Kilkenny. I think the fact of the matter is here, uh, Wexford need to kind of pick up form urgently here. I mean, look at the remaining fixtures here. here. They're away in Cork, Park of Kiev on the 12th of March, and then followed by an, an easy task here against all Rain and All-Ireland champions Limerick in the Gaelic grounds. So, I mean, it doesn't get any easier for Darry Egan here. And, I mean, you know, maybe you can... Talk of Cahal Dunbar, maybe McGuckin as well, who came in with three and two points respectively. That, and maybe Banville as well for his free-taking ability. But apart from that here, uh, Kieran, there's an awful lot of work here for Dar Egan. 
management and the squad really to really address within the next few weeks before championship kicks off? To be fair to Darigan, he has, you know, I think he's, I suppose as a management, they've realised there's a lack of depth and they have gone about it to try and unearth a few players. I think Charlie McGuckin, who had featured a bit last year, <coughs> has really put his hand up this year. And uh, as you mentioned, Cahill Dunbar as well. They, they put their hands up. Said, maybe that's two players that they have kind of, you know, found for maybe a starting position. But I think as well, as a whole, if you look at the whole lot, I think, like, I, I'd worry for Wexford unless intervention happens now in the next few years. And, you know, you could see what happened awfully happening in Wexford unless, you know, the right action is taken. Uh, I think looking at the county board, a couple of decisions that are made, you know, again, voted again this year, they run off the, a lot different to most hurling countries. They they run off the, the county championships in a couple of weeks, you know, before yeah. the football. You know, so it's a long, you know, for club players, it's a, a long part of the year to be training for serious, you know, for serious championship games. You know, we all, it's all about championship and no matter if it's, uh, inter-county or club that's the the bread and butter is a championship and it's a long you know a few months training for in an instance where Wexford you might play for three four five weeks and if you don't get past the group stage you're out and your hurling year is over essentially yeah. I think that's something that could be looked at or, you know or if you pick up an injury in in that period you know you're out and and all your years work is for in vain really I think another rule that has come in Wexford have voted to go back to uh, under 18 for minor, but they have a little clause put in as well that uh, minor players can't play in uh, in the senior grade while they are minor. So I think that's a rule that other counties haven't put in, but it, that's slowing down possible development of, you know, future players. You know, I'm sure once it's managed and controlled, you know, then the, and the workload is controlled, I, I can't see any harm in certain players, if they're good enough, you know, playing even for club. Joe Canning would have played for a club at 15, you know. Okay, he's probably an exception. But I just can't see young guys who are 18, you know, just playing minor, like what, what they could do for their career, just for even that one year, just to be playing in, in, a, in a maybe a junior or senior grade that for, for their own development. And I think that's something that's going to hold uh, young hurlers back in the county. That could seriously deter, as you say, player development, particularly on the promising guy that really wants to strike it while it's hot in terms of inter-county career-wise. So, yeah, maybe a few questions there from a Wexford administration perspective. I suppose, Kieran, looking at Clare, I mean, really, they can't get a whole lot out of this game. Probably we're expecting a stiffer test. But maybe looking at David Reedy here, he's emergence, you know, this season, and he's had a very strong league campaign. I recall the Limerick game particularly where uh, he did chip in with a nice score tally. And again, 2-1 from play. I mean, we've talked about Aidan McCarthy, massive boost for Clare as well. I know he was injured for the majority of the county season last season. But again, there's guys here stepping up to the plate. Mark Rogers as well coming back into kind of full fitness as well. So there is some to the parts here for Brian Lohan to really kind of look at as we kind of get nearer to the championship here, Karen. Absolutely. I think even Abe McCarthy and Mark Rogers alone from last year are going to be huge pluses uh, going into this year. Abe McCarthy is such a, you know, beautiful striker of the ball, really intelligent player. Uh, missed a few frees, but I, like, you know, that's, you know, uh, it's going to happen on days. But, you know, I, I thought he was full of running. He was, you know, very impressive. David Reedy, you know, came on against Limerick and he was the only bright spark in that clear team on that day, you know, coming on scoring 1 2 and. I think he also um, won two frees as well, and, and that, and you know, in a, in a short 10, 15 minute spell. Yeah, Lowen, he'd be happy. You know, they've they've kind of they've uh, they've come back after probably an embarrassing performance, more so than the results against Limerick. Don't think they're going to read too much into it. You know, job done. But you know, Clare have really two good two good games to come uh, at home to Galway and Cork. You know, still have Shane O'Donnell to come back in. You know, they, they'll they'll relish the battles to come and. Uh, I suppose they won't take much into this game. I think, look, Clare were good, but, you know, uh, if you had to be honest looking at it, Wexford were woeful as well. So, you know, it's not, I don't think it's a, a game that Lohan is going to, to use as, a, you know, at the end of the league or for anything to... I suppose there were, there were positives for Clare, but um, I think this game will be brushed over and answer and the next one fairly quick. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Karen. I think Brian Lohan even conceded straight after that was a full refraction of the Wexford side that he would have expected in years gone by. 
again, I think he's pleased with certain aspects, particularly the forward line. I thought the pace boys had Wexford in complete and utter chaos in that middle third. Again, the space that Clare players, particularly forward line, were getting, they won't get against the likes of Galway or Cork for that matter. So, look, it's a confidence-boosting win. The four points from three games. And again, two-game homestand to finish the league. Potentially, there's a semi-final appearance there at least for Clare if they win those games. So, look, onwards and upwards for Clare. I think it's going to be a fascinating watch, though, Kieran, definitely with Darry Egan, Wexford. And I'd say as well the Wexford support base as well, Karen, because you said to me off fair here that there was a sense of frustration from the Wexford supporters, particularly at management. And I've heard that from other friends of mine from Wexford immediately after the game that maybe Darry Egan is, maybe there's a little bit of questions being raised here in terms of the stewardship of Darry Egan here. Even from my own point of view, you know, I'm I'm a Limerick man, born and bred and always will be, but I suppose I'm living down here nearly 10 years now. I would have a fondness for Wexford Hurling and, you know, I'm involved uh, coaching my, my you know, son's team under 10s this year in local club I gate and playing a little bit here, social hurling. But, you know, I would have a fondness for extra hurling. And, you know, even I, I could, I felt that frustration myself, you know, watching them. I don't think the, yeah, look, the players, there was poor execution. The, I think the attitude was all wrong. But you'd be kind of questioning, you know, why is the attitude wrong? You know, you're into county hurling. Like, you know, there should be pride to be, you know, be wearing a, your jersey for your, your county, you know, not chasing back, not marking up. You know, I look at frustration, it is, but I think, you know, Egan, I suppose, does, you know, have the the comfort to say that, you know, there is certain players to come back in who will sell the ship. And I'm sure, like, Wexford had no shape, and, you know, even a scattering of experienced players in that team would, you know, would solve that issue. You know, like Salim Ryan, you know, as you said, like, the spine of the team is missing, and, We've often commented, like, to, to win any game or to be anyway successful, you have to have your spine of the team set up. And that wasn't there for Wexford, you know. No full-back. Simon Dunahoo, who I don't I don't ever remember playing full-back uh, slotting in. You know, I think the only player, consistent player in that team would have been uh, Damien Reck, centre-back. But apart from that, it was a new team. And I think slowly but surely, you know, experience will start coming back in. And I said, we will see a competitive Wexford for, um, for, for the championship. We hope, but I suppose it's for me. It's the longer, you know, the longer role I'm thinking about, and I, I would worry for extra unless, you know, unless something is done, uh, then intervention is needed of some sort at club level, and, and and you know, county board as well. You know, making decisions that may hamper players. You know, things need to be reassessed and looked at because, you know, they're probably one of the only counties who have that rule in at the moment. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Kieran. I suppose from a Darry Egan perspective, his post-game pro- comments, Tom may be ill-advised, just taking on the chin, maybe put a portion of the blame to himself, protect the players. We're only in round three of the Hurling League. The spine of the team is not there. He's there to re-nurture the talent that's there. These are the best players in Wexford at the moment. I don't know what the situation and the atmosphere has been like in training this week, given the comments of Darry Egan. So I think Darry Egan has a bit of a repairing of the relationship here with the panel here, given those comments. So I think it's going to be an interesting watch here, Karen, particularly with these games coming up, particularly with Cork in Park and Keeve. I know Cork had a 221-21 to point win over Westmead. Let's be brutally honest. I mean, Westmead worked there, thereabouts throughout the game. It was a very experimental Cork side. Shane Kixton, top scorer of 1-7, six of them from freeze. Killian Doyle chipped in with 13 points, 11 from freeze, but that tells the whole tale of the tape here in terms of Westmead and their scoring power was really dependent on Killian Doyle. So again, some good cameos here from Hayes, power two points each, Kyle Ann as well for three points, and Barrett as well, one, two. So look, Cork three from three there and uh, going well here, right, Kieran? Yeah, and I think maybe to, for Wexford detriment, we haven't seen, you know, I think most teams you could sit down and you might get 12 of the 15 positions or players named, but for Cork, I don't think there's many people who could sit down and name a starting 15 that or a potential 15 that might start. And I think we might have to, we might see that in the next game or two. You know, we we haven't seen Jamie Harnady, Horgan has, you know, little or involvement. You know, he's really thrown the dice. He's really looked down the well and, 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 and give everyone, giving everyone a go, Pat Ryan, to be fair. And, and I think the next two games, you know, Parker at home to Wexford the way to Clare. And I, I think, you know, this is probably the round anyway where we're going to start teams putting out their their close to starting teams, you know, for the last game or two. But, yeah, it, it, it's hard to know what team. He has so many options. Like, 
we're, we're talking about Wexford having you know a lack of depth. I, I think Pat Ryan has so many options that it probably would be a conundrum enough for him to uh, to pick a start in fifteen. I suppose it's a, a better position to be in than what Darry Egan is in, I suppose. Brought up a good point, I suppose, with the bye week this weekend. Not a lot of teams may be going for weekend get-togethers, getting more concerted training sessions under their belt. So I think round four, we should really be seeing the emergence of a few lines here, particularly from Cork, because, I mean, their fixture list is Wexford at home. And then they do have uh, Clare away mm. on the 19th. Again, that could be one where the two teams are really vying for a playoff spot in the semi-finals. So, all to play for there. And I suppose for Pat Ryan, it's been a good league campaign so far. But I think we said this 12 months ago as well. And we can see what happened there towards the latter end of the league and started the Munster Hurling Championship. So, all to re- be revealed from Cork, really. As I say, attacking options. Plenty I think for, for Mark as well, for Westmead, um, Killian Doyle went off injured, I think, to the end. So, you know, hopefully, you know, that would be a huge blow. I think, you look, it's probably they're going to be facing relegation playoff probably versus Antrim release in their side. And, you know, I think for, for there to have any chance, I think Killian Doyle needs to feature because, uh, you know, they're, they're aligned on him, you know, third loss in a row. You know, I look to give Cork, a, you know, they they, they, uh, they give him a good game at the times. They were came within five points, two different occasions, you know. So they'd probably take a bit of, uh, a bit of uh, positives from that and, and, you know, go into the next two rounds. But look, as we said, how hard are can they get? You know, Limerick and Galway next two games. You know, so I said from West Point, point of view, um, hopefully get Killian Doyle back in the field before the relegation uh, match. Exactly, and I suppose as a confidence booster. I mean, you know, they were competitive, as you said here, Kieran. As we said against an experimental Cork side, but I mean, Limerick straight up against in Cusick Park, a big, large Limerick travelling support expected up in Mullingar, and then traditionally against Galway and Cusick Park as well. I mean. It's traditionally not a fixture that Westmead have many fond memories. So, and I think Galway will be looking to get a, a result under their belt here going into the championship as well. So, as we say, probably hedging itself in terms of relegation playoff here. I suppose I was at Salt Hill, Pierce Stadium, amongst the 12,000 in a sun-kissed Pierce Stadium in uh, February. Hard to believe. I get for Galway and Limerick. And Limerick, 24 points, 19 win over Galway. And I suppose, Karen, a good solid performance from Limerick here. Yeah, I don't think um, don't think they ever looked in doubt. Uh, I think they were in full control, definitely in the first half. But I think definitely until uh, 57 minutes, like we're 21, 13 ahead. And then Galway came with six kind of unanswered points and bringing it back to two-point game. And, you know, you're probably worrying a bit at that stage. But then, you know, Limerick kind of went up a gear or two again and, you know, pushed it back out. Tom Morris, he got two points there. Back up to a five-point game, yeah. You know, 14, seven and a half time, Galway bringing in the big guns, Morrissey, Concanon, Conor Whelan. Positioning a Whelan again for a second week in a row, uh, out around the half-forward line, which is kind of, you, you wonder, is it just uh, a phony, phony war kind of, or, you know, phony games that put teams off for, you know, I think I think for Conor Whelan to be at his best, he needs to be close to goal. Could look from, you know, from a Limerick point of view, you know, happy again. I suppose control of the game. Shane O'Brien, I think, you know, continuing to impress. You know, for a young, young guy, he's, you know, he's really holding his own and, and, and not shying back. I think with Limerick as well, they're, you know, you, you, Kylie's kind of gone about the right way. He's putting dots of inex, inexperience in lines, you know, probably one for each line. So the shape has been kept there. And I suppose the only worry and it's probably a trend that's happened in the first few games is we've allowed teams back into it you know we were cruising at half time against Cork and, and Cork came out in the second half and you know made it a different game same against Clare you know Clare bought that game back to six points and when it could have been closer to 14 or 15 points for Limerick really uh, and again with Galway you know you're you're 21 13 up with 12 or 13 minutes to go and uh, I think that's one thing that would worry Kylie not seeing out the game now I suppose he'll make you could make uh, an excuse that, you know, substitutions and that, but I suppose it's one thing that, you know, that will worry him is not closing out the games earlier. And like, oh, we were, were banged back in that game again and probably didn't deserve to be. You know, Limerick had been the, the better team. At Tom Morris, he was very impressive. You know, I think overall a good game for Limerick uh, away from home. I think Limerick, they're just comfortable on the ball. You know, you look from, from 1 to 15, like, you know, you look at Barry Nash and Kyle Hayes, you know, really impressive again. 
Limerick are happy to play whatever way a team's up against them, Limerick are happy. Like, you know, if if Limerick have to work it through the lines, they will. Or if teams push up on them, you know, they look for the long ball into space. So I think they, they adapt on the field. It's not something that they're I think it's just a, it's just hurling IQ that they have, and it's probably you know, it's probably trained into them that you know you adapt as a as a current to the situation they find in the field, and it's it's very impressive from a from a Limerick fan to watch it. You know, I think yeah, they're so far this year that I've been very happy with them. I have been too. I mean, even the Cork performance up and round had an awful lot of good aspects to that performance. I suppose the final quarter there was a bit of a a dip in performance. I think it's been a work in progress. It has evolved. And I think still John Cody sees massive scope for improvement, which I think this time of year is always great, Karen, I suppose the two guys I'd like to highlight, it's probably Keen Lynch. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. You know, the space he was given, uh, you know, he just creates that space just f- for his game management. He was orchestrating, he was setting up, he scores to three points. I think we're getting to see Keen Lynch really evolve here game after game. And I think that's a huge positive for Limerick, given the, the continued absence of Aaron Galan inside. And I suppose Dan Morrissey, what can you say about Dan Morrissey? I know Tom will get all the headlines with the eight points, but I think for defensive versatility, uh, Kieran, Dan Morrissey has provided so many positional covers in recent seasons. He's showing that he's enabled deputy here for Declan Hannon, particularly in the halfback line. Yeah, and it would have been one position, uh, we talked about it before we started, Mark, it would have been one position where I would... I've worried um, of an able replacement, you know, that if Declan Hannon had picked up an injury and a lot of people might have said Kyle Hayes, he would have played centre-back, especially with the uh, with the Limerick under-20s. And I think, yeah, Dan Marcy, like, for a guy to to go from, you know, wing-back to full-back and, and win an All-Star, you know, okay, I know he played there a few years ago, no success, but to, to go back and, and win an All-Star in a, in a specialised position the full-back is, I, I have no doubt that you could put Dan Marcy in corner forward and he would do a job for you, you know, in that first line. And I think, you know, if you, credit to Dan, but you look across the team, you can see the same with Barry Nash. You know, Barry Nash, ex-forward, wing-back, now cornerback, you know, and I think there's a few guys there that you could, and I suppose that's what leaves teams guessing. You know, no one guessed that all the years ago when Kyle Hayes went to wing-back, you know, it, it threw everyone. And I suppose having that in your, in your uh, arsenal, you can pull surprises on any given day and, and catch teams in the hop. And, you know, look, Limerick have, have depth. They've won unbelievable depth, young players coming through. I actually heard it during the week that, you know, you kind of need one or two new players coming the year. And I think to have that this year in Keen Lynch and Peter Casey, you know, that didn't feature last year, you know, all our winning team. And them two guys, you know, all-star hurlers going back into the team, huge plus, along with the likes of Shane O'Brien and Adam English. Cahill Neal, who we've yet to see out in just a minute, like, but you know, that's you could possibly say that there's five new hurlers this year putting their hand up for a starting place in that team from last year. I think that's huge as well. You know, Graham Mulcahy being such a loyal servant for Limerick Hurling, but it was always you felt last year Graham had to come in and really close out the deal. Where now we have identified at least five or six forwards. I'll even throw in O'Dalig from Monaline as well. You know, he's come in. He scored whenever he's been given the opportunity. So, I mean, training has to be ferociously competitive at the moment, even to get game time here. So I think it all bodes well for John Coyley and Limerick. I suppose from a Galway perspective, I just thought the intensity was completely lacking on their performance. I don't know, as you say yourself, is there a bit of mind games going on with Sheffin? I think definitely with Whelan on the 40, doesn't want to really kind of cover his hand there. It's going to be himself and Concannon's surely with McManus drifting in inside full forward. But I suppose from Galway's perspective, you alluded to this last week, Kieran, in terms of forward line cohesion. Thank God Connor Cooney was there for Galway because if he wasn't, I think this would have been an absolute hiding for Galway and something that they wouldn't want to have wanted to face. I mean, he scored 12 points out of 19. I think that tells its own story. Tom Monaghan with three points as well. Kevin Cooney with two. But again, it's to me the balance of the forward line for Henry Shefflin. It's going to be a major equation to break here. Obviously, Conor Cooney had a great game, 12 points, but I think that if you're looking at the worry, like, Galway only had 10 points from play uh, from five different scores, you know, which for a team with that, um, you know, the, the quality of forwards that they have would probably be a worry. I, I'd struggle to think we've seen the 
you know, now uh, they're most intense. And I suppose looking at the games ahead, if you were to pick one game, would be the next game uh, away to Clare. You know, their last game, last fixture is uh, away to Westmead, which you'd imagine, with, with all due respect to Westmead, would be a matter of getting the job done. But I think this is probably the last game where Shefflin can, you know, get a good test into these guys. And, and Clare down in Cusick Park, really hard team to turn over there. You know, I think uh, if we don't see, you know, the Galway we'd expect against Clare, you know, I think there'll be more question marks coming on Sheffield for the year ahead. I'd agree with you. I think this kind of West Coast derby is going to be intriguingly poised on the 12th of March because Galway definitely a response. Locals I spoke to after the game have been underwhelmed by it. I mean, last 20 minutes there was a response. Connor Cooney was inspired. A few of the points that he scored from long range, very inspirational. Got the side back into it, but... Again, it was a composure of Limerick then to go through the lines. Now, I suppose we can talk about Kyle Hayes' incident in a minute here, trial by TV. But I think from a perspective of Galway, there was no real intensity here. I suppose Grealish cornerback taken off at halftime as well. It's a bit of a worry and a concern. So there's a few things here for Henry Shefflinry to address here for Galway particularly. I suppose I alluded to it. I will talk about it. There were a few flash points during this game here, Karen, and I felt disappointed in RT's sports coverage that only one incident really was shown, and that was the Kyle Hayes incident. There was an incident, an opening period, particularly with Keane Lynch and Tom Monaghan. From an RT perspective, Kyle Hayes in the dock here, and I think from Sean Sack perspective, he let an awful lot of things go. And, uh, yeah, I think there's talks of retrospective bans here for, for Kyle Hayes here, but I mean, your viewpoint here, Karen, I suppose... There was a little bit of physicality in the game, for sure. But, um, again, any arguments on Kyle Hayes first and maybe Tom Annan? I think maybe two red cards here, I think. Yeah, I think Kyle Hayes, actually, the ban was announced. It's a one-game ban, which will be the game against Westmead. Look, we're biased. We're, we're, we're Limerick when we're biased, but uh, um, it was a red card. Kyle Hayes into the red card all along. I would say Tom Annan's offence was, it was similar. It was a strike to the, the face guard, probably similar force. I think what went against Kyle Hayes was there was probably more intent there, or maybe it looked like there was more intent there. But, you know, you're, you're, regardless of intent, you're looking at, you know, the action, and the action was a strike to the face guard, which by the letter of the law is a red card. No problem with that. But I think the biggest problem is, as you say, only one incident being shown, but it's the consistency, you know, Trial by TV. We've seen it over the last few years, certain incidents, and you know, you feel okay, trying to leave the bias hat aside. You feel like you know, anything little thing that happens regarding Limerick, you're in the spotlight straight away. You know, had that incident happened in Waterford and Antrim or you know, uh, Kilkenny and Leash, you know, would have had the same you know, media outrage, you know, after the game. I don't think it would. But I think for what for, for what I want is it's just a consistency that, you know, are the CCCC coming in every game, reviewing camera footage. You know, if there's no cameras there, what happens? You know, you get away with it because there's no camera there. And I think there is, I don't think we want to go down the road of a TMO or like rugby or a VAR situation, but I think there is applause there for maybe, you know, a third referee sitting watching on the camera that can have an earpiece to the referee in the day and say, pull him back and say, come back, that was a red card, or, you know, on the day. I think if, if a punishment isn't handed out in 70 minutes, that should be the end of it. But I think there is, you know, there is, this is league hurling, you know, and probably doesn't matter as much. But when it comes to championship and there is a red card, that could be detriment to a team, detriment to a team's um, progression, be it rightly or wrong. So I think they need to be sure that if they are issuing red cards, that you know, they are deserved. It's a really fast sport. I do understand from a referee's perspective, not everything can be seen. And I don't think that Kyle, incident, or Kyle Hayes' incident was seen by referee or linesman. But I think there needs to be a clear set of guidelines regarding procedure for, you know, dealing with this with these kind of incidents. Like, you know, and a consistency is what I would ask for. Completely agree with you there. I think the consistency from a governance perspective on the retrospective ban, you're assuming that they should be running the tape over every other uh, inter-county game here, surely. I mean, there was other flashpoints during even 1A and 1B that I can call out. There's probably two or three instances here where was the same retrospective analysis done. We haven't really heard. There's no transparency there in terms of that. So like last year in the podcast, I went on Rugby League and Super League. They are very efficient 
in governance in terms of their video analysis, but also the retrospective on the Monday morning where they will be sitting now to review instances like this and a speedy resolution. Again, when media are speculating, okay, a game, two game ban, it's really, I feel sorry for the officials as well, uh, to be perfectly fair, that they're being undermined a little bit as well. They're not quite sure in terms of what they're doing, in terms of the referee assessors as well. So I think from that perspective, I think dangerous ground, again, is probably being set here. But again, it may be a warning shot for Limerick, maybe for Kyle Hayes as well, that, Maybe there's going to be teams here looking to basically stir a reaction of Kyle Hayes uh, going into maybe last year was Gerald Hegarty. I think Kyle Hayes could be number one target for any opposition, given that reaction to Brian Concanon there last Sunday. So I think it's going to be all intriguingly poised here. I mean, the one game banned and obviously the Westmead game, I think there would be an opportunity for Kyle Hayes to be rested on that one. But again, it's probably going to be a close watch here uh, for sure uh, here, Karen. Referees are human. They can make mistakes too. You know, yeah. and I think the, the game that stands out for me was the Fitzgibbon Cup final last year where Keane Lynch was off late in the game for University of Galway. I think if you sat down every referee in the country and played it back to video footage, they, that red card would have been given. You know, and that, that red card was, could have been detriment to University of Galway losing that game, you know, because they were in control and, and UL came with a late push to win it. So I think it raised the argument that, you know, it's a fast game, you know, there's a lot happening in the tackle. You know, I, I don't expect referees to see everything, but I think it opens up the case where you do have, I'm not asking for TMO, I don't want the delay of like rugby where there could be two or three minutes looking at different angles. I just see a quick look, someone in a van sitting at the back of the stadium with an earpiece saying, Sean Stack, pull that back, that's a red card. And, and let it happen in 70 minutes and anything that's not picked up, let that be that. Because, it's it's trial by social media after the game, and I think that puts pressure on the GA and the, the likes of the CCC to act, and that's why we're seeing these bans coming. So, you know, it's going to be a fascinating watch again in terms of the governance and particularly the suspensions and retrospective action on players heading into championship season. I suppose we quickly go into 1B here, round three. I suppose there was a few games on on Saturday, which we'll talk about, and also Sunday. Poor leash again. Uh, there were literally no match for Kilkenny, 34 points. Kilkenny, Leash 118 and Ormore Park, I suppose. Bill Maher lamenting a poor first-half performance, but again, it's a 70-minute performance here for Leash, and again, clearly struggling here. Kilkenny really pilled Drennan, 11 points here. Martin Cuhan, Owen Cody, four points each. John Donnelly, three points. I suppose a comfortable afternoon for Kilkenny, really, not learning a whole pile against their Midland neighbours. No, and like... 21-7 at halftime, you know, the game was dead and buried, but then Kilkenny had 13 different scores. I suppose it's more like a training session for Kilkenny, really, without placing any insult on leash. You know, Richie Reid said Owen Cody back. Paddy Mullen played midfield, still have waiting for TJ and Adrian Mullen to come back. But I think Leash have a do-or-die game uh, Sunday week, which is part of their, their league final uh, against Antrim and Belfast, you know, and you think... Loser of this game goes to a relegation final against Westmeath and Gutterside. You would fear for for Leash going to Belfast. I think Antrim, while not winning, have been you know have been shown real positives in their performances to, and you know kind of push teams uh, in the first three games. And you know I think especially Caseman Park, it's a hard place to go. I think Antrim will, will definitely find themselves to get Le- get over Leash there and relegation final. You know what you know who knows what happens, but. You know, I think for Leach's point of view, if you do go down, you'd worry about, you know, where they'll stop eventually. You know, could it be a tumble down through into one, two A and, and so on? Um, there's very two A's as competitive as, as one A and one B. We all know that. You know, you, you really would. Looking at the first three games, uh, you'd worry for Leach. I'd agree with you there, Kieran. If they go to two A, that's a absolute shark infested pool to get out of 2A anyway so I mean we'll talk about that in a few minutes but I think from a leash perspective in Bill Maher it's uh, it's been a tough baptism particularly in 1B some heavy beatings here Um, so yeah I mean I think both teams don't learn a whole pile from that game to be perfectly honest because Antrim I thought it had a very admirable performance against Waterford down to 14 players after 22 minutes and here's another incident where there was an off the ball incident apparently uh, for Owen Campbell against Ruben Halloran. Again, I think the footage is inconclusive. So, I mean, here you go in terms of your retrospectives and stuff. Was it was this actually a red card? So, I think from that perspective here, I thought Antrim acquitted themselves so well here. Keenan Malloy 
two points here. Cahill Gunning as well, 11 points. I did, to be honest, Waterford had to bring in the big guns, particularly in the final quarter, to get this do- job done again. I know there was 15 wise from Waterford, but again, they got a stiff challenge from the Saffron. Absolutely, and, you know, I think Antrim put the gauntlet down, decided the player to win in the first half. As you said, look, the red card came, 22nd minute. Still, there were 11 points to nine up at half time. I suppose the water for goal came uh, 41st minute and it levelled the game. And then Ozzy Gleeson again coming in, scoring five points in the last 20-25 minutes. I think it was the last possible 10 minutes that, you know, Waterford really pushed them out and, and they scored six in the trot. That's what Antrim did have a late penalty save. But, yeah, looking at it from an Antrim point of view, yeah, they'll be positives. But I think the one negative or standout for me is, you know, 17 points, uh, only seven of them from play, you know, across five different scores and only one point from the bench. You know, they're coming down. It's a long way to travel down. They're giving teams a good rattle, they're giving them a good go, but, you know, they're, they are lacking a bit too, maybe. I think there is a gulf between the top teams and, and the likes of what Antrim are at. They are they're, they're, they're bridging it, but there is still a bit of a gulf there. Looking at Waterford, you know, I suppose if you look back in the three games, you, you you wonder how actually good are Waterford at the minute. I know we haven't seen close to a potential full 15 starting, but draw with Dublin. Okay, you, you questioned that Dublin possibly should have got over the line there. Now with Antrim and, uh, and Leash, but I think the next two games is when we're really going to see how good this Waterford team are. You know, travelling to Turles Sunday week or Saturday week. To, to play Tipperary, you know, and I think Turles is where they're going to be playing their their nominated home games for the championship. You know, this is going to be home for them for the next for the next uh, couple of months, and uh, you know, I think possibly that Turles, the likes of Turles, will suit Waterford. They're you know they're a running team. I think far field is, you know, plenty might suit them. But I think it'll be a test of how good Waterford actually are uh, the next two games against Tipperary and Kilkenny. You know, coming to the latter stage, I think they've been kind of eased into this league. There has been positives, but I think there's been a few question marks too. You know, I think it, it, you know we'll hold judgment for the for the next couple of weeks to see how uh, these two games go. Yeah, I'd agree with you there, Kieran. I think it's been topsy turvy for Waterford, particularly from a disciplinary front. First two rounds, the three players sent off, and again having to really look at the bench. You know, the experienced guys coming in to really rescue games. I think in terms of that leash performance as well, they were under the pump with going into the final quarter and then really put 11 points in the Souls bench to put that one to bed. So I think there's more questions than answered at the moment for Waterford, but as you say, going to Turles and also having Kilkenny, the old enemy, coming to uh, Nolan Park as well, I think will be a key one as well here, uh, Kieran. So I suppose, you know, they're sitting on five points at the moment. So look from Davy Fitz, progress but I think uh, some of the wides against Antrim as well were very disappointing you know a bit of lack of composure particularly shot selection uh, was probably you know one video analysis for them but I suppose Saturday night as well but the marquee game was Tipperary and Dublin and Tipperary 3 from 3 now uh, 223 to 24 points at Crow Park that was a curtain raiser ahead of that Dublin Clare football league game and I suppose Jason Ford and Gerard O'Connor really been very prominent in maybe the headlines here for Tipperary from an attacking sense. I think Gerard O'Connor has gone off for Tipperary a lot this year, you know, position him in centre forward, he's a big player, physical player and really good striker of the ball, two good points from either side of the field. I look forward, we know how he's exceptional, I think he's, he's in top, top form at the minute. Tipperary, I think he's looking at the other side, Donald Burke, you know, what a masterclass of, of point taken. Yeah, 14 points at the only Downside, I suppose, is uh, he's injured, going off injured. I think Dublin will sweat over this because uh, I, I think Donald Burke, like Dublin, are going to heavily rely on Donald Burke as, as they have done for the last couple of years. So you, you wouldn't expect him back. It was a hamstring injury, I think. So you'd imagine it'd be a few weeks anyway. But you know, looking at the game, yeah, I looked Tipperary have impressed. They they never looked like losing that game and. I kind of question mark should Brian Amar going in full back? You know, having already tried Michael Breen and. You know, I think the perception out there is that Breen, you know, we know that Liam Cattle sets up his teams, they're they're fit, you know, they're they're competitive, especially a breakdown, turnover, you know, we've seen the against Kilkenny the turnover, you know, one six Kilkenny's puckouts. And you know, I I was questioning why Omar was gonna play full back. I thought he'd have been in a, you know, a, a, a so a shoe in at um centre back. 
But it's, I think Rory actually mentioned this a few weeks ago, probably something in it, that the fullback job description has changed. You know, the days of a fullback being plunked in the 14, I think Barrett Dahi Burke is kind of gone. You know, most teams are playing two men, two men inside, so your cornerbacks are covering and I suppose your fullback is kind of playing a bit of a freer role than you would normally associate. So it, it possibly could be a role that might suit O'Mara. I think he's all the hurling and forest and, and composure. And, and I think Michael Breen might be a better option wing back. You know, he's a quick... You kind of compare him to Caleb Lyons and, or Kyle Hayes, you know. I think the way Liam Cahill deployed Lyons at Waterford really effective. And I think maybe Breen is looking at an option like this for him. Yeah, I, look, I think... They could do no more. I said three from three. You know, the next few weeks playing Waterford, I suppose, you know, I expect to see a closer to strength Waterford than we have seen. I think that'll be a real test and a kind of a, a little test to see where they are at. And then a way trip to Antrim as well to, to finish it off. So I think two stern tests ahead for them. Okay, we know they're maybe lacking uh, depth with, you know, a lot of injuries, but and I think maybe it's a championship before we'll see the the depth being an issue, but you know, I think he's unearthed a few players. Like Grod O'Connor being one of them. Connor Boswell, you know, he's uh took his goal well, come on. Mark Keo, you know, against you. I think one the one player I've really question mark is um Jake Morris. You know, he's been on the scene for a few years now. And I expect more of a consistency from him that we haven't seen. I think that's one player that a tip could get gets firing in and there with Ford and you know we've seen the older the cameos coming to you know, Bonner Mar and, and these guys coming on late, you know, there there is there is a mix of players in Tipperary. But uh, you know, I think I'll be happy three from three. You can do no more. I'd agree with you there in terms of Jake Morris. I think an awful lot of Tipperary fans are really expecting Jake Morris to really have a, a strong, strong year. He's been in the panel now for a few years, but I think individually, good player. I'd question in terms of the team ethic. There was a, an, another one or two goal scoring opportunities here where players inside maybe better positions to score a goal and goes for his points so much the derision of I think Jason Ford again on Crow Park so I think from that perspective I think Liam Cow's probably going to have some words here with Jake Morris in terms of that but um, I think you've called him out in terms of Connor Bowe I think he's going to be a very much an exceptional talent here for Tipperary the one goal very opportunistic uh, Giro O'Connor as well I suppose Alan Tynan as well two points you know was kind of a key guy as well but I think you hit the nail on the head here in terms of Michael Breen. I think the versatility of Brian O'Mara, just put him back into fullback. Just wanted to test Michael Breen out of wing back. I think that's definitely a long-term option. I suppose you have Brian McGrath or Ron O'Mara as well, as well that can go centre-half back or even fullback for that matter. And I think there's news now that Barry Heffernan is well on his way back from his injury, his knee layoff. So again, another option there at fullback or maybe in midfield as well. Again, there's maybe a little bit of depth chart issues in certain points. But I think from Dean Kyle's perspective, I think they just want to just create the, with this winning one, confidence building. And as you say yourself, this Waterford game on the 11th, I think it'll be quite a significant game just to see where Tipperary now are at. Because, again, the Antrim game, we just don't know in terms of Antrim where their heads will be at, uh, given the relegation playoff, maybe concerns. So I think from that perspective, Tipperary looking as if they're getting into a semi-final here for the playoffs. But again, if they get any more injuries here, Kieran, it must spell doom for them in terms of Munster Senior Hurling Championship coming around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as I said, with the round robin, you need a, there's a certain depth, you know, of, of players required. And I think as well, the players they've lost, you know, like the Cahal Barrett, you know, experience at guys as well. Niall O'Mara, you know, yeah, for, for a young team in transition, they, they don't need players like that on the, on the injury bench. Definitely not. Exactly. So, I mean, as you mentioned, Donald Burke from Dublin, amazing, amazing performance there in Crow Park. The 15 points there and again, six of them were from place balls. 132 he's contributed so far, Kieran, in the league so far. So if there's any extended leave from Donald Burke, I think Miala Donahue will be sweating here in terms of who is that guy to really pick up the slack. I mean, they were competitive throughout, I suppose. It's just now trying to find that foil that fulcrum along with Donald Burke I know Considine chipped in with a few points as well so I think for Miola Donoghue here the Donald Burke injury might be an interesting kind of side note here given the last few games here particularly when they have to go to Kilkenny in round four and then finishing with Leash and Parnell Park so 
I mean, I think you'd Al- worry, wouldn't you? You'd worry that. Uh, okay, I, I think Alex Constein has uh, impressed in the first few games, but you'd worry that if Do- Donald Burke doesn't line out, you know, you're kind of questioning where do all these scores come from. I think for Michael Donu, we have Donu coming in like last year. Dublin relied on on the same fifteen players, and I suppose there was no depth. I think Michael Donu is trying to, you know, he's trying to go about that. Truly to God, with a million people in Dublin, there has to be, you know, twenty three players, and I think he's looking at all avenues. And you know, it is first year, and I don't think much will be expected. But you know, Donald Burke, Donald Burke is the is the marquee player, and you know, heavily relied on and. You know, if he doesn't line out, and if it is a longer injury than maybe they'd hope for, you know, you, you put into question the the championship. Then you know, I think Dublin. If you're looking at Leinster, you'd probably give automatic selection to Kilkenny and Galway. You'd imagine they'd be strong enough and have strong enough panels to see it out. And for me, I think it's going to be a shootout between between Dublin and Wexford for the third spot. You know, but I think if you're at Dublin going into battle without Donald Burke. I think you're you're making Wexford favourites all day because I think you know they heavily rely on, on his presence in the field. Yeah, I know at the start we talked about Wexford and their struggles, but at least Ari Egan is testing his squad out. At least he's testing what he has. I don't think he can say the same for Michal O'Donoghue here in Dublin. I think they've gone very aggressive in terms of the league. I'm even calling in terms of the Antrim game. I think that was an opportunity to really run the rule over other attacking players. You don't work on the pitch. So I think from that perspective, the load of games, the minutes has really come back to bite Michal O'Donoghue and this uh, Dublin side. So, yeah, I, for me, it's, look, I think for Dara Egan and Wexford, Wexford fans, I don't think it's all doom and gloom here. I think there is a plan here. And I think from Dublin, I think they're in a little bit of a bother here in terms of trying to find the nucleus of a, a forward line. And I, time is running out for them, quite frankly. I suppose we can go 2A here, Kieran, and... This has been a league that I'm being fascinated by from round one. And again, last weekend, no exception. Some marquee results, particularly down at Fitzgerald Park in Killarney. Uh, there was a last minute sideline cut from Offaly to beat Kerry 22 points to 118. It was a, kind of a superb game all through. I mean, draw probably would have been a fair result, but Offaly just nicking the result there. Kildare going three for three. The juggernaut, you had like said, James Burke here chipping in with 10 points. We had Cahill McCabe as well coming in uh, one uh, with three points as well. 223 to 19 points win over Derry. And then I thought the, the feisty affair here between Carlo and Down. I noticed here, Karen Carlo had an awful lot of the frontline guys back for Down. And Paddy Boland, four goals, 524 to 119 against Down in Netwatch, Cullen Park. Marquee statement from Carlo, and I think they're building a bit of momentum. They mightn't get into the two-way promotion race, but by God, I think Joe McDonough Cup of time, they could be a very competitive outfit here. Yeah, and I think looking at the, the final two rounds of fixtures, there's going to be a couple of twists and turns before the, the, the league is decided. I think it was a real, real scalp for Offaly going down to uh, down to Clarny, uh, overturning uh, Kerry by a point. They kind of struggled earlier on in the game, and they um, I think when... You know, after the Conway's goal, you know, Offaly kind of rallied a bit and they were leading 13 to 1-5 at half time. And, you know, I said the, the last puck of the game from our sideline from David Nally won the game for Offaly. You know, I think Offaly, you know, two testing games for them. They're, they're going facing Carlo and Kildare both at home next two games. And then Kildare facing, obviously, Kerry and Offaly. So, you know, the top three teams in this in the group, they're all going to play each other in the next two rounds. And, uh, you know, I don't think you could write off, off either of them. I think Claire probably have been, you know, Claire have been impressive. I, I think Kerry, I think there's probably a little bit of pressure on Kerry. I think for Stephen Mulumphy, they've been close the last couple of years. And I think it's do or die for Kerry this year, definitely in Joe McDonough, because uh, they've been there, thereabouts. And, you know, it's probably a bit of an expectation now. But, you know, this is, this is, um, group is really hotting up. And then at the other end, you've down in Derry in a potential, uh, in a relegation battle. Down actually playing Derry uh, next round out. You know, I think there'll be plenty of twists and turns to come. Delicately poised both ends of the table. I think Kildare, you know, their fixture list, you know, that first game out against Carlo really has set the tone, hasn't it? You've talked about looking at Kildare firsthand in terms of Nace, you know, a few years ago. I think there's been massive underage investment in Kildare hurling as well, given the Kildare 
clubs are being kind of getting more exposure, particularly in Kilkenny championships. It's all boding incredibly well, but I mean, there is some real hot games here for Kildare to come. And I think, you know, hopefully the Kildare public can really come and support this Kildare Hurling team because uh, it would be a massive tonic here if they could actually get promotion to 1B. I think it's a big, massive story here, just given the population here within Kildare, um, you know, spreading the gospel of Hurling, really. Um, but I think awfully here, Kerry, I think it's intriguingly poised. I think under A, anyone could beat anyone. So I think their kind of games here are really going to be fascinating. And I mean, for Down and Derry, the thoughts of going back to Dupree is probably, you know, something that they don't want to contend with right now. But that's, I think, where they're facing right now. But no, I think it's been a very exciting uh, league so far. And as you say, Karen, plenty of twists and turns. And we'll kind of follow that in the next few weeks. Yeah. And I think with Kildare, it's, it's, it's just one more point to make on Kildare. Like, it's fair play to him. Like, David Herity's here a couple of years now. And he's been given the time, you know, and they're, and they're building year by year. So I think it's like an advocate for. For county boards to you know to, to back management and give them the time and the support because uh, you know I think it's it's kind of reaping dividends now for him. David Herity, quality hurling man, you know, you know in terms of all his coaching tenures as well. But the grassroots has been put down there, Maladi as well, uh, particularly. So there's been an awful lot of solid foundation work going on here into county in the last few years. So this emergence hasn't really come by accident. So I think here and you know an awful lot of good vibes in Kildare, but I mean, tougher challenges lie ahead here. Um, I suppose we can conclude here, Kieran, with the Croke Cup semi-finals around this weekend in Burr. You have Cashel emerging victorious in the Harty Cup facing the juggernaut, which is St. Kieran's. And also you have Turtle CBS, who've come through a very difficult, sticky quarterfinal against Clostown of Dublin. Uh, they're facing the presentation of Atten Rye with one Aaron Nyland, I suppose. Any predictions here, Kieran, on those two games? Yeah, I suppose looking at Cashel and St. Kieran's, you know, you'd hope for Cashel that the, the Hearty Cup final wasn't there, you know, their All-Ireland final, as you say, coming up, coming over to Turles in a, a low-scoring uh, final. Uh, you know, you look at Kieran's, you know, disappointed coming into their la- the qualifier or the quarter-final game, you know, and look really, really impressive over Raphael Flockray. I think they'll be all out to carry on from that quarter-final win over for Cashel. I, I predict St. Kieran's to be very, very strong. Regarding Turles, I think Turles would have been disappointed to be turned over in the Hartlepool final by Cashel, you know. And I expect, you know, I I heard so many good things about Iron Island, you know. He seems to be highly regarded there. But I just think Turles have such a huge pick, and a lot of that Turles team would have been that temporary minor All Ireland winning minor team last year, you know. I I just expect Turles to be that bit too strong, and I I I go for I think it'd be St Kieran's and Turles in the final, but I think. You know, if you're not on Saturday, uh, a trip to Burr for two games, you know, you could do you could do far worse. Yeah, I think if the weather holds up here, Karen, I think they're two magnificent games. St. Brendan's Park's a magnificent hurling pitch, really suited to, you know, secondary school games of this magnitude. So, I mean, we'll go first here with Turtle CBS and presentation at Nry. I think, to be perfectly fair, Ireland Island is really the scoring fulcrum that makes this presentation at Nry team tick. Claren Bridge. Clubman, he did contribute 13 points to Attenroy's win over Raphael's College of Ocre in the, the Connacht Interprovincial Final. So, I mean, that's kind of boarding where Turles maybe have to focus here. I know Lean as well, the captain, very prominent as well. But, I mean, I think Turles CBS do have a big pick here. An awful lot of mid-south-west tip representation. I'm going to give them the edge by four or five points. And I'm with you here, Kieran. I'm thinking about Tulla last year, their inaugural maiden Hearty Cup final win. There was an awful lot of good vibes. Then they were cold for four weeks, and then they came out in the semi-final and didn't really perform. Where Cairns have come through this quarter-final, I know against St. Raphael's, but there's still momentum has been built here. So I think from that perspective, Cairns looked awesome against St. Raphael's. Didn't give the Loch Ray school any time to settle into this game. And I'd worry for Cash a little, little bit. I know they're a very big physical side down the middle, but Cairns have a knack, a bit like Limerick. They're hurting IQ so good that they can beat you anyway through the lines or going direct in. And particularly that third quarter burst, St. Cairns, I think, might be decisive. I'm going with you as well. I think it's going to be a St. Cairns third CBS uh, final. But again, we wish all the four teams best of luck. Hopefully they're very competitive games. And we'll have in-depth analysis on that next week, Karen. Kieran, we'll leave it there. Plenty to discuss and whet the appetite. 
many thanks for the contributions and I suppose next week we'll have a look at the uh, previews of round four of the Allianz Hurling League games and also the Crow Cup semi-finals as well uh, Kieran. until then have a great weekend Chat thanks soon. Mark cheers thank you for listening to this podcast episode if you liked what you heard in this podcast why not subscribe to the Hawkeye Psychic podcast on either Amazon Spotify YouTube or Twitter platforms you can also follow me at Hawkeye Psychic on Facebook and Twitter for the latest sporting opinions, articles and reports.